I want to talk about time today. Time has a concept and how it relates to this prayer of the heart. So back in the um, mid to late 90s, I was being heavily influenced. You know, we go through seasons, people influence our lives. Um, and I'm so grateful for every person and ministry that has influenced my life. One ministry that's influenced me as much as anybody else, probably someone that most of you in here have never heard of, um, is a lady named Leanne Payne. Leanne Payne has gone on to be with the Lord, um, but she was very much a pioneer in dealing with inner healing. Her, her ministry was primarily to the brokenhearted. To be in a Leanne Payne meeting would be... How many of you are familiar enough with um, our heritage as charismatics to know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Okay, most of you. Uh, to be in a Leanne Payne meeting... Now, Catherine Kuhlman, her ministry was primarily focused on evangelism and physical healing. And she would get up and the Holy Spirit would just move and people's bodies would begin to be touched and... Powerful miracles would begin to happen. Powerful things happened under her, her ministry. Leanne Payne would be uh, in that similar vein with that type of ministry, but it was to people who were bound and oppressed and brokenhearted. But she would begin uh, to speak. Her, her background was academic, and so when we had the opportunity to be with her in meetings, and she was much older and, and dealing with some chronic fatigue and different things in her own body. And she would literally read her messages out of a notebook. And she would sit at a table, open up the notebook, and begin to read her messages. And I'll never forget, she gets about 20 minutes into reading this message. And immediately, people who were oppressed by demonic spirits, demonic spirits began to cry out throughout the room, 800, 1,000 people. As people were being set free, as she read her lectures at her desk <laughs> from her notebook. And Julie and I had the privilege of spending a whole week uh, with her and her team, met members of her team, and literally watched people's lives transform in front of us as that week took place. So what does this have to do with time? So she wrote a book. She's written several books. Um, that really impacted my life. One book that she has written is called Crisis in Masculinity. And in the book Crisis in Masculinity, she tells the story where she is working with a lady, ironically, in a book about masculinity, uh, where she's working with a lady who had very deep emotional problems and traumas that had happened in her life. And she could not get a breakthrough in prayer for this lady. And so she goes on a retreat in Illinois, in the forests there in Illinois where she was from. And while she's praying about this and while she's asking the Lord for help in this situation, the landscape in front of her completely changes. And it goes from a modern landscape <laughs> to a more ancient time period. And as if that wasn't freaky enough, how else to say it, strange enough, you have to forgive my demeanor sometimes, uh, two men, two Native American men dressed in their ancient dress 
are standing there looking at her. And she realizes that somehow she had stepped through a gateway into the past. Now, before you say, well, maybe she was having a vision or whatever, the most interesting thing to her was as shocked as she was to see them, they were equally, if not more shocked, to see her. (laughs) And so they have this moment of meeting, and then as quickly as she was transported into that place, she's transported back to where she was. And then, you know, it's funny how God does things. Sometimes he just gives you an experience and then you have to try to sort it out. Now, I did not have the experience, but I've been around the ministry enough to know it was a ministry of integrity. And so I trusted the experience, even though I didn't have the experience. It's taken me years to sort that out. (laughs) And this is back in the mid nineties. And we have been conditioned in our culture to think about time in a certain way that is limiting and that binds us. So I'm going to show you something from the scripture and then I'm going to share a couple things out of my psychological background with you. And we're going to tie it in with what Jesus said and what we've been saying about prayer. And hopefully it'll help you, but it'll probably, it might scramble your, your brain a little bit. But that's a good thing. Let me get to my notes here. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It says, there is a time for everything. There is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. First thing I want you to see. Time functions under the heavens. It does not function in the heavens. Heaven is eternal because there's no time there. Okay, I'll let you digest that for just a second. Now let's connect it with another familiar verse in this passage. Verse 11. It says, He, meaning God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to beginning. To end. So he, he, notice how he sets time and eternity apart. Do you see that? He's made everything beautiful in its time and he has set eternity in the heart. So I think it's interesting in light of that verse that here is a woman who got Leanne Payne, who God had anointed to break ground in the area of dealing with the heart. And while she is praying about dealing with the heart, she accesses a gateway where time is totally different than how we think about it. Because, here's the scripture for it, because God has placed eternity in the heart. So let's just do some connecting here. How many of you know that in the book of Ephesians, we are told... That we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yes? And time functions under the heavens, but we've been raised up and seated in the heavens. So in Christ, in our union with Christ, we are in a place outside of time. 
And also, that reality then is connected in the heart because God has set eternity in the heart. God did not set eternity in the mind. And I'm differentiating between the mind and the heart. Because if you think about your thinking... Do you ever just do that? That's a good thing to do. Think about how you're thinking. When you think about your thinking, it's almost impossible for you to think without the concept of time operating in the way you organize events and their relationships. So Manuel Kant, the philosopher, he said, time does not exist as a concrete reality. Time only exists as a concept in the mind. So from a psychological perspective, what we're dealing with when we're dealing with time is a fabrication of the mind. It is the way that we as human beings organize our understanding of life through the interaction and relationships of events, past, present, future. So if you, if you pay attention to how you think, then you'll realize that your brain is always in the past, for the most part, most of us, in the past or in the future. It can be as simple as thinking about what you had for breakfast or sitting here listening to me saying, I wonder where he's going with this. So it can be very short spans of time where you're either locked into remembering the past, which doesn't exist, or rehearsing a future that has not yet happened. And it can be momentary and briefly, or it can be expansive. I can be thinking about the hurts and all the bad things that have happened to me from my childhood, or I could be thinking about, gee, I wonder what I'm going to die from. I'm just saying. You can cover, you can cover short spans, you can cover your entire lifetime. But if you watch or pay attention to what you think, you will discover that your mind is locked into time. And time is a delusion. Just let that sink in for a minute. Alright. So, The illusion, let's do it this way. The illusion of the past is stored in the mind in terms of memories. The illusion of the past is stored in the mind in terms of memories, and it's based on the significance that you attach to the memories, not the memories themselves. Or the fantasy of the future, which is a function of the imagination. So your mind is either remembering the delusion of the past, the illusion of the past, or it's going into the fantasy of the future through the imagination. But very seldom is your thinking free from those things. And very seldom are you able to just be present in the moment. Fully present, fully awake in the moment. Right? So here's how the brain does it. So this would be an interesting experiment. Uh, we in the West think about time, and most of us, I mean, this is a generalization, but most of you, if not all of you in here, will be able to relate to this. If you're the exception, God bless you. That means you're specially gifted. 
does not mean there's anything wrong with you, okay? Because the rest of us need to get free from this, and you're ahead of us. But we have a tendency to think about time in a linear fashion. Past, present, future. Now, here's what your brain, your mind actually organizes unconsciously your entire view of reality based on how you think about time. Here's what I mean by that. If I were to ask you, if you're good with accessing pictures in your, in your mind, some of you are not, and I'll, I'll help you in a second. But for those of you that are really good at accessing memories or imagination, that kind of thing, if I were to ask you to remember an event that took place, doesn't matter if it was last week or if it was, say, uh, the last time you had a really good time, the last time you went to uh, think about the last birthday party that you went to or something like that, and that image comes to your mind, if you pay very close attention to how your brain is presenting that image to you, what you will discover is that it has spatial location that is significant to time and to you. Here's what I mean by that. If I think about a future event right now, and I try to imagine that, it's right here. It's not here. It's not here. It's not up here. It's right here for me. If I think about a birthday, like if I think about a childhood birthday, the image is right here. Notice the line. Past, present, future. Unconsciously, when I think about it, that's the way my mind presents that information to me because I'm conditioned to think about it in that linear fashion. Other people, their future is out in front of them. So they talk about putting the past behind them. And I'm looking forward to going out with you next Friday night or whatever. Now, if you aren't able to, some of you are looking at me like a, like I've lost my mind, so, or like, I don't know, one preacher said, I don't know who said it, but I always hear it in my head, like a dog at a new dish. So, for those of you that can't do the pictures, you have a strong gut sense. You just, you just, you just intuitively know. And if I'd have done this exercise at the beginning and said, everybody close your eyes and point to where you see your future. And for maybe you're one of these people that the future is right in front of you and you're pointing, so you would point this way and you'll have a tendency to think that that's just how it is. So everybody's, I, I've done this with large groups. Shelly's seen it done. Um, so you, you'll have maybe a third of the room or less or more, depending on the audience, they're pointing forward. But when you open your eyes, you see there's other people like me that are pointing this way. Or some people might be pointing this way. Or I've even seen some people pointing this way or pointing, Charlene's pointing up. That's important. And here's the really scary thing. It unconsciously governs a lot of how you think and a lot of the way that you function. Let me give you some examples. If you are a person. Now, I didn't. I've learned that I can choose which way to think about time through a very simple exercise. But I used to be a person that time was all, future was always here and the past was always back here. And we're going to say that that person is through time. Going through time. Got it? Their timeline is going through them. 
Here's how I was when I was like that. And some of you will be able to relate to this. I would lose myself in the moment. If I had a good friend and we were talking, I like to talk. And they were like me. We were both through time. Three, four hours could go by and we'd look at our watch and say, I'm totally shocked that this much time has gone by. Um, it's almost like you don't have a sense of time. Five minutes can drag forever or three hours can go by like that. People like this are generally not on time. So those of you that endured that with me in the early years of our ministry, we might start 20 minutes late. We might start, there were times I think we started 30 minutes late. There, there were times I didn't even show up. It was starting and I hadn't even got here yet. And Pam's laughing because it used to drive Pam totally crazy. Like, like we get here and we're expecting and you don't show up. And I would feel bad about it. But I, but I was seemingly powerless to change it because I'm not doing it on purpose. I just, oh, it's time to go. Look at that. Oh, it's 10 minutes late. Wow, I didn't even know, you know. Now, others of you, time is out here like this. So if I invited you to do that exercise, or if you did it with me, and you thought about the future, maybe your future, I do it left to right, because that's how I was taught to read, but some people do it right to left. So my past is over here, when I'm functioning like this, my past is over here, my future is over here. Right? So those of you, if I'd ask you, think about an event that happened in your past, maybe it's over here, like mine was, think about an event in the future, it's over here. But it's never in the same place. Because if it was, you would not be able to tell the difference between what's your past and what's your future. It's how your brain tells you how to tell the difference in your felt experience about whether you're having a memory or an imagination about the future. So if you're doing it like this, you probably wear a watch. Time is important to you. If you are not 15 minutes early, you are late. <laughs> Schedule books, appointments, things of this nature are really important to you. Whoever bought me this clock, God bless you. I would bet you money when you do past, present, future, it's out here and not this way. Because it actually governs the way you live your life. And so Pam, if you don't mind me using you as an example, because Pam had to endure this me. And she was like this. And we, we had some intense fellowship. <laughs> and I thought there must be something wrong with me. And, and we have a tendency, this is, and our, our culture functions this way, by the way, since the Industrial Revolution. Our culture, because of the Industrial Revolution, for the most part, thinks and functions and values this way. But if I were to take you to a more, to a simpler culture and to a more indigenous culture, you will not find anybody, hardly, that thinks this way. They're all this way. Going to Kenya is a perfect example because most Africans don't do this. They're, they're, they're doing it as they're developing. It's tied to, it's tied to industrial development. But most of them still live out in nature. Ancient people did not do time 
at all in a line. They did it in a circle, which is actually more accurate because our earth is revolving and then revolving around the sun. So actually, time really is circular. It's not a line at all. It's about how you think. Are you breathing? So my friends in Kenya, the ministries are, we have a code. We talk about, now I, I don't like this. I'm going to challenge them on it next time I see them. But this is how they do it. It's how they talk about it. We have Kenya time and we have kingdom time. And how many of you remember Alan Vincent that came and was with us? For you? Okay, so Alan introduced that concept to them. Alan is very much this way. Alan is, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. So he, so he says, here's what Alan would say. If you say, because I've heard him say it. If you say you're starting at 10 and you start at 10.05, you lied. It's a matter of integrity. And in Kenya and a lot of these African places, when you would go over to minister, maybe the meeting's supposed to start at 2 o'clock. And maybe they come pick you up at the, at the hotel at 4 and then you go sit through an hour, an hour and a half of whatever before you even get up to preach. And nobody thinks anything of it because the meeting starts when everybody shows up. Now, if you're somebody like Alan Vincent, that drives you nuts. So he taught them there's there's Kenya time and there's kingdom time. <laughs> so when I go over there and they say, they say, Pastor Aaron, I'm gonna, we're going to pick you up at one o'clock for the meeting. They will tell me. I don't even have to ask. They will tell me. And that's kingdom time, not Kenya time. Now, we went to a graduation party and whatever when I was over there, and they'd say, okay, the graduation party starts at this time, but that's Kenya time. <laughs> so, and it's really true, because I, I know if they're going to pick me up one o'clock kingdom time, then I got to be ready to go at one o'clock. If they're going to pick me up at one o'clock Kenya time, I don't have to be ready till three, at least. <laughs> it's just true. It's just the way it works. But now here's our problem. We actually connect kingdom to something that's very limiting when we call it kingdom time. And we value judge something that God really, you, you can't have kingdom time where time doesn't exist. If the kingdom is the kingdom of heaven, you can't have kingdom time. All right, let me show you how scary this is. Whatever, now, now here's, here's my presupposition. Whatever you and I view as the source of our life, the source of our life is our God. We think that our life is given to us by time. We think about how much time do we have left on this rock. We think about, I missed my opportunities. We think about uh, our age. Anybody ever go through a midlife crisis? Okay. All right, maybe I'm talking to the wrong group. Anybody ever felt like I should be further along than I am right now? <laughs> Anybody ever feel like you're running out of time? How about this? We, we have been preconditioned to think that certain capacities quit functioning at certain ages. So when you get into your sometimes late 30s, anywhere from your late 30s and through your 40s, you're going to have to start wearing cheater glasses. Because you're going to get farsighted. And you can't see things as close up. 
So they would say, in your 40s, you lose your vision. In your 50s, you lose your hearing. In your 60s, if you're a man, multi-billion dollars in pharmaceuticals. If you're a woman, you go through the change of life or whatever at a certain age. And so we're conditioned to think that way. And so when those decades show up in our life, we're already expecting, oh, this is what happens. So I, I go to my, I go to, I remember I go to, on my 40th birthday, my 40th birthday, and my eye doctor didn't even know it was my birthday. I don't think. She might. I get a birthday card from her. <laughs> and I had, been looking at screens a lot and then I noticed stuff was really blurry and so I'm like talking to her and I'm like um yeah you know I've noticed my eyes don't like I'm looking down at this and I look up and it takes a while for things to come into focus am I spending too much time at my computer screen and she looked at me she said no you've had too many birthdays So we expect it to show up and it shows up and then and then the authorities in our life confirm it so one of the deliverances that the Lord had to take me through was to stop believing that I got my life from time. That I got my health from time. Kronos, where we get chronological, Kronos is a Greek god. So when we think this way, actually what we can do, if our life is tied to how much time we have, then time became our source of life, in which case, then time has become our idol. And I had to repent of believing that time was the source of my life. And I had to stop letting time control me. See, if I'm now, I'm this way now, because I learned how to step in and out of these things. I, if I want to just enjoy the moment, I can do a trick with my brain and make my timeline go this way and enjoy the moment. If I'm preaching and I know I've got to be done at a certain time, I can step out of it, put my timeline out here, and I'm more conscious and aware of time. Yeah. The first time I did it, because I was totally this way, I didn't even know you could take conscious control of this thing. The first time I did it, I stepped off the line. I literally got dizzy. I put it here. I literally got dizzy. Almost, I had to sit down, readjust. I got so disoriented, and my entire perception of reality shifted. My entire experience of reality shifted. (laughs) And I had to repent of believing that time was the source of my life instead of Jesus. So if I'm this way, I'm talking about myself. If I'm this way, and I'm now angry because people in my household are this way, and I'm trying to get someplace on time, and I'm fighting, time is controlling my emotions, and in that moment, Time is more Lord over me than Jesus is Lord over me. Because time is dictating how I'm responding in not such a loving way, rather than Christ dictating how I'm responding. Think about how we talk about time. Think about it. Deadline. 
How many of you feel a pressure because you have a deadline? <laughs> Are you breathing? All right, I need to move on with this. That's just my fun stuff that I do. Here's the point. If you're going to pray from the heart, you have to be able to step out of that kind of thinking. You have to be able to get out of the mind and into the heart. And in the heart is where eternity is. Right? So watch what Jesus says. Because what, what Jesus does when he talks about prayer is he is going to scramble. He's going to take your concept of time, your mental concept of time, and he's going to put it in a blender. Listen very carefully to what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when, listen to the time words, when you pray, what is that? Past, present, or future? Present. When you pray, in that present moment, believe that you have already received, what is that? Past, and you shall have. Future. So in those words, he's taking past, present, and future, but he's scrambling them. When you pray, believe that the thing you want in the future has already happened. When you pray in the present moment, that thing you want over there, it's back here. (laughs) In now. And if you do that, you'll have it. I mean, you really can't make sense of that on a timeline. In fact, if you can get free from time, doubt cannot land upon your life. Let's use a metaphor of of an airport, a runway, things taking off and leaving, right? You're trying to get your faith to take off, but every time your faith takes off, doubt lands on the runway. The runway for doubt is your conception of time. Think about it. The number one thing when we're training ministry, new people come in and they want to get trained to be on our ministry teams and we train them for healing. The number one question we get without exception everywhere that we've done it. We've done it here. We've done it in Texas, Arkansas. We've done it overseas. Everywhere that we've done it without exception. The number one question we get. What if I pray and nothing happens to ask that question? Where does the mind have to go? It has to go to the future. What if I pray now and nothing happens? You're already in the future. And the future that you're creating in your mind at that moment is what? Nothing happens. Or, this, this was a struggle for me because I knew so many people that we had prayed for that had cancer and had died. So there was a season in my life, if you had cancer, don't come talk to me. I would never say that, but don't come talk to me. Because I had no faith at all for healing for cancer. Because I would think about all the people I knew that tried it and it didn't work, got prayed for and died. And so when I'm praying for you, what I'm doing inside is thinking about them. So where's my mind? It's in the past. So time then becomes the runway upon which the planes of doubt can land in my life. And when I do that, I'm not really praying from the heart. I'm praying from the head. Because eternity is in the heart. (laughs) So actually what Jesus... Man, isn't Jesus brilliant? 
He just says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And that one statement, if you attempt to do it, takes you immediately out of your brain and puts you into your heart. Because you can't do that in your normal conscious capacities in regards to time. Because it totally violates your concept of the relationship of events, particularly the relationships, listen to this, particularly the relationships of cause and effect. How can you believe that you've already received something and get it? Because there's all these functions out here, all these things have to happen in order for this to take place. Are, are you seeing it? Does it make sense to you? So Jesus invites us to judge that the change has already happened before the change actually occurs in the moment. Let me say it this way. When will you decide that your prayer has been answered? When you have it or when you pray for it? Because the issue is when do you decide that it's done? We're conditioned to decide that it's done when we experience it out here. Jesus is inviting us to make, to create the experience in our heart first and then says that's actually a cause that will lead to an effect. In other words, you're causing. <laughs> because listen, if, if, if eternity is in our heart and, and it doesn't operate in the heavens and we're seated in the heavens, then actually what, what prayer is, a lot of what prayer is, is being able to step out of the timeline. Into a place of possibilities where time does not exist. Settle an event and then watch it unfold. I'm going to say that again. To step out of time into a place where time does not exist, settle an event, then come back and watch it unfold in time. That's prayer. It's not saying it over and 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 hoping it'll happen. It's not getting a bunch of people together. It's not, it's not any of that stuff. Because here's what I'm doing. If, 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 if you come to me for prayer, if you come to me for prayer, and I'm thinking, what if nothing happens, and I'm praying, Lord, will you heal this person? What we don't understand is the words are not the prayer. What I'm creating, nothing's going to happen, that's actually the prayer. And so I go and pray, and I'm saying up here, Lord Jesus, thank you for healing this person. I want to make sure I get it all right. Um, what, what were those scriptures again? Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. Okay, i got to quote them right. Lord, thank you that you heal our, our diseases. Thank you, Jesus, for our sickness has carried our diseases. By his stripes you are healed. Thank you, Lord, that um, healing has taken place. And, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to believe I received it. Okay, amen. But then in my down here, I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to work. <laughs> or down here, what if I do this and nothing happens? And the prayer actually is nothing's going to happen. 
So even though I'm doing it here, what I'm actually speaking to the universe. Sorry, I I get in trouble for the way I language things. Um, Listen, Jesus said, speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. Jesus said, speak to the sycamine tree or whatever kind of tree, and it'll be uprooted and planted in the sea. Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He spoke to Lazarus. He spoke to death. He spoke to evil spirits. Right? And he was operating as a human being in union with God. And then invites us into the same thing. So there is prayer that is talking to God. That is relationship building. But there is prayer where you are not talking to God. You are talking to the forces of the universe. You are talking to creation from a position of authority and from a position of dominion. But it's not your words because they don't speak English. They speak feeling. If it was just English, then Jesus would say, talk like it's already been done and you'll have it. But he said, when you pray, believe you have received it. Because when you create the feeling that it's already happened, you are releasing a powerful vibration that creation itself and heaven itself, you are releasing out of your heart, out of the place where there is eternity. You are releasing out of the heavens where you're not in the jail cell of past, present, and future. So you don't have to pray like that. You can scramble it up and believe that you've already received And then you're releasing to creation a song and a vibration that now creation will begin to align itself up to. That's what Jesus said. We had the capacity to be able to do. Somebody asked me, they said, it sounds like you're preaching name. <laughs> sounds like you're preaching name it, claim it. And I thought to myself, I asked the person, what does that even mean? Name it, claim it. Because whatever your reference is for that may be totally different than what my reference is for that. But I'm actually, what I'm saying is, That God put in your heart by connecting you with Christ, by connecting you with creation, by connecting you with the heavens, the potential capacity to create the future that you desire. If not, then rip Mark 11 out of your Bible. Because it's not true. What things soever you desire when you pray believe that you have received them and you shall have them but you've got to create it you've got to create the feeling you've got to create the experience you have to access it through Christ you have to access it through the heavens it's not as simple as just taking a scripture and saying it over and 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 over hoping that's going to happen. Because creation doesn't speak English. But it will speak feeling. So if I'm sitting here to go back to this, if I'm sitting here and saying, what if nothing happens? The prayer is nothing's going to happen. Then nothing happens. And what do I say? I knew nothing would happen. 
I confirm it to myself. So the next time I go to pray, what happens? The people would come in, you know, especially people that came out of the prayer movement would come into our church and they'd sit for a few months and they'd say, I just don't know how to pray. And I'd be like, hallelujah. <laughs> we are having a revival. Because <laughs> what we've been doing for decades has not brought revival. And it hasn't brought change. And it hasn't really accessed power. And it hasn't really done all those things. But this is something, I'm not preaching theory to you. I know that this works. All right. Let me see if I forgot any. Oh, well, let me give you one. Can I just give you one quick thing? Are you guys doing okay? I know I'm going kind of long. Let me just give you one quick thing. How many of you right now at this moment, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're going through a very, you're going through some kind of an unpleasant experience that you wish you could get out of in your life? It could be a job. It could be lack. It could be a relationship. It could be a sickness. It could be pressure, depression, whatever it is. But it's something that you would like to see change or that you would like to get out of. Again, you don't have to raise your hand. Let me in, and, and that pressure is weighing on you mentally, emotionally, whatever. Maybe you're laying in bed and you're having a hard time falling asleep or whatever. I want to invite you to do a little trick on yourself. I want to invite you to think about what it will be like, what it will be like to remember what it was like when you were going through this. That's the first part of it. What will it be like to remember what it was like when you went through this? <laughs> Say it one more time. What will it be like when you remember what it was like to go through this? <sighs> now, if you're a worrier, you are believing a negative outcome. You're believing in the possibility of a negative outcome. <sighs> Shelly, you, you don't mind if I share, but I, I actually, when Shelly, when she was dealing with cancer, we talked about this. And I said, Shelly, I said, I want you to remember, I want you to go to the place where you will remember what it was like when you believed you were going to have to go through all the cancer treatments or die of cancer or whatever. When you're totally healthy, I want you to think about what it's going to be like when you're totally healthy and you look back and you remember, I remember thinking I was going to die of cancer. What will that time be like? And then allow yourself. See, this thing, you don't have to get rid of this. God gave you the capacity to remember and God gave you the capacity to envision a future. But we need to take conscious control of it and make it work for us instead of against us. So if you're a worrier and you think, oh, all this terrible stuff's going to happen, then go to the time when you're going to remember what it was like when you thought all that terrible stuff was going to happen. Then in your mind, go to that place and allow yourself to fully experience what that moment is going to be like for you. And soak yourself in that moment and in that feeling right now. You may have to get the tape or whatever. We don't do tapes anymore. Listen to it. What's it going to be like to remember when I went through this crisis? What's it going to be like to remember when I thought this crisis was going to turn out terrible 
and it didn't. And now I'm past it, and I can look back on it like a distant memory. How are you going to feel in that moment? Imagine it. Experience it. Only don't wait for it. (laughs) Do it now. That'll really set you free. That'll really, really help you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this. Bless you.